see that. <coughs> this is, it is all for Jesus. And uh, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful to be in your company. I'm so thankful for his presence in his house. I'm so thankful to be able to stand here because it's been a long time since I've actually taught in this class and actually stood without a stool. And there's no stool, so there you go. <laughs> but I am, I am very thankful. And um, I did, Pastor did ask me to announce that um, you know, Nancy Bouchard's father passed away this past week. And we want to be continuing in prayer for her, for her mom, for her family throughout this time grieving for Rick. And um, I understand the service is on Wednesday. I don't have any other details in Abilene, but just continue to pray for her. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Um, a little prop. And uh, <laughs> we, our hearts really go out toward her and her family and just the path, the journey that they've been on with her dad. And I know that he's before the Lord. She told me the morning when they had said he only had a few hours to live that he had said to her mom uh, the night before that he just wanted to be with the elders at the throne. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway. So I do, I do want to acknowledge the fact, not just for us, but for the listeners, that the World Cup Finals is happening right now. I think it started at 9. And it is between Argentina and France. I will not, I don't think I need to tell you who I am rooting for, but I did bring this. I was going to wear it, but then I thought it's kind of warm in here. But I do have this. <laughs> from several years ago, no, this from France, and uh, I, if if I know that you guys, some of you all may check your phones for the score from time to time throughout the morning. There will be a test at the end of this class. <laughs> Just kidding, but I will tell you that the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro. <laughs> So we may not see you, but he sees you. But I also know that, um, you know, I don't really follow sports that much, but I do know that this is a big deal. And uh, I love the fact that France is here at the end. Um, so we'll just see what happens. But anyway, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, it's going to be a, a wonderful, beautiful week celebrating the birth of our Lord. Amen. 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 So today, um, we're going to talk about breakthrough, and this is really more of a prophetic release, as is usually the way that the Lord uses me in a teaching venue. It's interesting to, um, just to allow the gifts that God's given us to be activated and stirred in, the, in, in, in these kinds of things because the Lord just began to speak to me about his prosperity on us as a ministry, as a people, a couple weeks ago. And um, I just began to pray in my spirit and interpret that, that I was praying for our prosperity. I was, 
I was praying for, you know, some of the things that are at play right now. For instance, what's happening in Brazil in the planning of this gathering this year and the deliberations for what all is required in that. And I was just speaking prophetically into that, that it would be prosperous. And, and so that was coming out of my spirit. And so, you know, you think about prosperity and you think about, you know, usually people associate it with money. And that's really not where I was going with it <laughs> or where the spirit was going with it. And so it wasn't until like midweek this week that I began to look in scripture about what pros, pros, being prosperous really meant. And it's just so interesting how the prophetic spirit moves and about how the Lord reveals himself because um, we're going to see through this study that it's very much um, a part of our seal walk. And I know that this study has been done before. I was going through it. I, I went through it just cold. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't go back and look at other studies that I'd done about it or books or anything. Initially, I just wanted to see what the Lord was saying fresh. And so I just began to study some of these scriptures and uh, really lay claim to them and where we are because I do want this to be a prophetic release for us going into this new year that we would see um, breakthrough, we would see advancement, we would, um, we would be prosperous because, I say that, because for all of us that have been in ministry, and my, you know, myself included, you know, God sends us out, and, and it costs money. You know, it, 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 He provides all that we need, but there's a lot of resources not just spiritual resources, but there's financial resources, there's all kinds of resources that are involved in the working of this ministry. And so, to me, the financial part of it is at the bottom. I mean, I don't really think about it, and maybe that's just my own naivety, and I apologize <laughs> for those of you that carry that burden. But I do know that I, tr I trust that the Lord always is gonna provide for us, because we are walking along His plan we are faithful in the seal. We, we stand and trust in his promise. He is going to prosper us. But, but I know that there was a, a, a certain time or season, and I'll say post-COVID, perhaps maybe the last quarter of 2019 when we were, we had back-to-back -back ministry trips, like October, November, December, and they weren't just in Tampa. I mean, they were Belgium, they were Brazil, like three, I mean, we did like four full seminars in Brazil, like two weeks or something like that. And then came back, went to, um, uh, I think, uh, where is it we have the prophetic conference? Why am I losing it? Versailles. Versailles. And then the very next month, I think in December, we went to Belgium and ministered in Pastor Michelle's church. Anyway, it was, it, it was a marathon. But all that requires, you know, resources, spiritual resources, energy, you know, all of those things. And I remember having a conversation with Pastor, probably at the airport, and talking about how, and, and this had come up in conversation, both publicly and um, just in, in other kinds of conversation, that we have to strategize, we need the Spirit we need the Lord to go before us and we need to be prosperous. We need, we need to be effective. 
we need to really look at that and make sure that all that we're doing, because we had gone years and years doing a lot of the things over and over again, so it, it, which was good. But it was, it, was, it was just a point where we realized that we really have to be effective and efficient with not only the spiritual resources that God's given us, but all of it. So anyway, that's, that's kind of a backstory. Anyway, so I, I've just been, I've been praying about this. So I, I get into the Word, and this is where we are. Now, I know this is long, but it's not because there's a lot of passages, because there's some really long ones. But some of them we may skip through. There's a whole lot that I didn't include, um, which I may just touch on. But um, if we can, we're just going to go through Scripture, and we're going we're gonna to look at these passages, and we're going to apply this principle of the Salah, which you can see the definition of here. It is to rush, to push forward, to push through, to advance, to promote, to prosper, to break out, to advance. Said that twice, the double assurance. <laughs> to make progress, to succeed. And it, it really means to satisfactorily accomplish whatever is intended of the Lord. Okay, That's what we want, right? We want to be successful in the midst of his plan. We want to be successful in the the, um, the in, in stewarding what he has called us to do and to be and that's so so important and it's just so interesting how this word salah this breakthrough word is um, it, it accompanies the sila so we know that we've been in this season where we've been recognizing honoring um, afresh this principle of the sila that's cool Scott has a word. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're going to hold it up? I'll just put it here. I just hope I don't like walk around and it flies off. <laughs> okay. Everybody with me? Are we good? Okay. So um, that's where we are, and that's where we're going today. And uh, like I said, just really let this be just, you know, more of a, um, you know, it's a teaching, but it's also something that's very much on my heart. It's interesting because if you look further into the definition of this word, um, it means to cleave through. And, and I love that because that's what we have to do. You know, in the midst of the sila. <laughs> in the midst of the tension, in the midst of when it's dry and when you know God is, is promised and he's spoken that you cleave to him. You cleave to his plan, you cleave to his heart and, and you don't let go. And, and so in that cleaving comes the breakthrough, comes the fulfillment of what he has promised. So. We're going to begin by looking at the first issuance, and we're just going to apply it as the Spirit would lead us to, um, to this for us. And this is, you know, I love, well, I love the word. <laughs> um, this is about Eleazar, and we know that Eleazar was Abraham's servant. And all those years when, when Abraham and Sarah were barren, when she was barren, and he didn't have an heir, Eleazar just was faithful. I mean, he was a fa he he was a faithful servant, and and that for us as Sila ones that walk, we service is everything, 
And we're going to see that in some of these passages, that our service to the Lord is, is everything. Our faithfulness to that, whatever that looks like. Um, and so the Lord had spoken through Abraham to, sit, to commission Eleazar to go to his hometown, to, to be amongst his kindred, and to acquire a bride for Isaac, for Isaac, who was the heir to the promise. So it was going to be up to him and his bride to begin the population of um, the sons and daughters of the Lord. And so um, that's a pretty huge burden. You know, I, you go and you find her. <laughs> and wouldn't you say that? And so... Um, he, here he is serving. He's following the word of Abraham, who is the father of all who walk in faith. He's the father of Ammon, which is, you know, God sends his word from the right hand. It's what has been established at the right hand. And, and Eleazar was going to have to walk that out in faith. And we're not talking like the next town. We're talking like 450 miles. Now, I don't know how he traveled, but um, I'm not saying he walked, but by camel. Um, and so, but he walked in faith to see this commission accomplished, okay? He, he embraced it. He was confident in the promise of Yahweh. And then Abraham made covenant with him by having him put his hand over his thigh. And there was a covenant there. And we're going to see how the Salah is very much about covenant, about, you know, walking in the covenant with the Lord. So he trusted the Lord that he was going to fulfill this. Um, he made covenant in it with Abraham, and then he set out on his journey. We're going to begin with Genesis 24. There's a lot of passages. A lot of this, you know, the ones that I gave you are repetitive, but um, nonetheless, here we go. Genesis 24. We're going to begin with verse 13. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water, and let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that, has, that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou, the Lord, hast shown kindness, or has said, which is mercy, unto my master. And then jumping down to verse 15. And it came to pass before he had done speaking that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, and with her pitcher upon her shoulder. Wouldn't that make them cousins? Oops. <laughs> okay. It doesn't matter. It was the plan of the Lord. And the damsel was very fair to look upon a virgin, neither had, she, had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down the pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they had done drinking, have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trowel and ran again into the well to draw water and drew for all the camels. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether Yahweh had made his journey prosperous or not. And then 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one more passage, if I may. It's verse 27. I'm sorry, I didn't give it to you. Um, she, she, she introduces herself. Um, he asks if she has a place where he can lodge with the camels, and she says, We have both straw and provender enough room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshiped Yahweh. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not Sorry. <laughs> the Spirit just got me there. Who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth? I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And so, a um, couple things I want us to look at before we move on. First of all, I want us to recognize the fact of, about the water. Because when I think about this story, I think about what our commission is. And, and you know, we, we know that the church is the bride of Christ. We know that we are called, we are called to go into the church and to call them forth into their divine calling and purpose beyond what the general church is functioning in, right? So in many ways, I feel like as God is establishing his church, we are those that are called to go out and find her and to establish her in her place to procreate the things of the spirit, to procreate the message and, and, and the plan of the Lord. So I associate with this very much, but the thing that I love too is, and you're, we're going to see water really throughout these first couple of passages when it talks about Salah, Salah. Um, am I pronouncing that right? Salah. Um, you think about thirsting. You think about, you know, we talk about food and water. And, and food, of course, the bread, you know, the, the Lord, the word. But thirsting speaks of commune. Thirsting, it, it speaks of fellowship with the Lord. It speaks of um, that kind of relational fellowship and commune, like intimacy. And, and so I, I look at this and I think, God... This was God's plan. And it, you know, all of our Selah moments, because this was a Selah moment, right? All of them are not this clean. You know, they're way more messy. But, I mean, the Lord led him exactly where to go to the girl that was supposed to be representative of the bride. And, and, and it's in this setting of water, of drawing water so that he can drink. And I think that's so important that we re remember that when we go forth, when we go out, it is a seal moment because we're, we're, we're going out according to God's promise, his plan. And, and we got to walk through that, whatever that looks like, and then serve in it. And, and those that, that he sends us to or that we're to draw in, because, you know, unfortunately, everybody's not going to come. I mean, we know that. I, I've always gotten, you know, a little, I've always struggled a little bit with the whole called and chosen, but... It's a reality. And so, but, but those that God really sends, we have to discern their, their heart, their thirsty heart. Those that want to be in that place of intimate communion with the Lord because that absolutely is a foundation of everything that we do. Okay? 
Are we here? Are we good? Okay. Secondly, I want us to recognize the, the kindness, the chesed. And I think, you know, as we, as we honor this Sila walk, as we stand on behalf of the Salah, of the breakthrough that we are going to see in the coming years, we got we to gotta remember his mercy. Mercy is, is so important. And, and we do. I mean, we do. It is kindness. I think how kind. God. Sorry, guys. <laughs> His heart is so. I mean, it, it, I, I really to even in, uh, to even understand just the kindness of the Lord and His mercy, and and to understand what mercy really is. And it, it's us being in that place of intimacy with him where he, he trusts to give us his, his strategies, his, his plans, he, his directives, where he speaks to us in that place of that intimacy. And that's his, that, that's, that's his bride. And so these are all things to me that we, we honor, we apply, and we recognize going forward in the midst of this Sila walk as we're going after the fulfillment of it, the success of it, the breakthrough of it, in the midst of it. Amen? So in that place of intimacy, in that said, in that mercy, in his kindness, he draws us in. The angels are there. And he, he shares his directives, his tobe with us. So that because we are covenant partners, because that's... That's what we go forth in, and that is our directives, and that is what Eleazar was commissioned by Abraham through Yahweh to go and, and, and accomplish this task, which was so crucial for the, for their, for the people. And so, anyway, I, you know, I, 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 was, I was reflecting, and I'm not going to get through all this, but um, that's okay. I was reflecting on, on the disciples with Jesus, and... You know, don't you find it interesting that I think the one time when Jesus, when the disciples asked Jesus, like literally asked him to teach them something, they learned all the way along the pathway. But when they actually said, teach us, what did they ask for? Prayer. Because they knew he would get away to the mountain to have commune with the Father and pray. They didn't ask, you know, show... Teach us how to do miracles. Teach us how to heal the sick. Teach us how to... Now, they wanted to know those things. Oh, excuse me, sir. But um, that they, they knew that that was, that was the foundation of all of those things. And so that's what I see here, and, and I, I really love it. Okay, so, yes, you can. You know that verse 26 and 27, you were talking about the kindness of the Lord. Mm-hmm. In that verse 26 and 27, you know, when Eliezer stops and blesses the Lord, I mean, that's, that, and I'm sure that's what you're talking about, but that's, that's him acknowledging that kindness, you know, he had faith that the Lord would, you know, reveal and bring to him the one uh, for Isaac, but it's almost like he was, you know, in that passage, like he was just taken back at how 
You know, sometimes I think we forget that God is on our side. I mean, sometimes things are so hard and they look so impossible, and we just forget about that, you know, that, yeah. But in even, the, even the kindness um, that's shown here when, when um, you know, Rebecca, I mean, you know, here's a, a beautiful woman coming, you know, with her water pitcher, and there's a stranger. She doesn't know who he is. You know, he's probably filthy dirty from all the travel, and she just acknowledges that he's, boy, he looks thirsty. <laughs> it looks like he's been traveling a lot. But just the kindness that was in her to display, you know, towards him. And, you know, where did that kindness come from? Well, that came from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, even Laban, her brother, said, he, he made a comment and said, we're going to let her go because surely this is God's plan. I mean, there was no question that that was God's plan that just step by step. So let's look at Genesis 24, 37 through 40, and then 42 through 44. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife, my son, of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whom, whose land I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my father's house, and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son. And he said unto my master, Peradventure the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, He's telling them this story. The Lord before whom I walk will send his angels with thee, and prosper thy way. And that's something we need to remember, too is that God, I mean, he does send his angels with us. His angels are with us. We don't worship them, but we need to acknowledge these things. I mean, when I think about, you know, all those angelic activations that we did, you know, I think about the mercy. I think when we do activate the sila, when we do prayer things for strategy, and, for, and we need to remember the hased. We, re we need to remember the angelic, you know, the messengers that um, are partnering <coughs> alongside us to see the, the way being prospered. And I came this day into the well and said, O Lord, the God of my master, Abraham, if, thou, if now thou do prosper my way, which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes forth to draw water, I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she says to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw the camels. Um, the same as the woman to whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And then Genesis 24, 48 through 49, And I bowed down my head and worshipped Yahweh and blessed him, the Lord God of my master Abraham, which has led me in the right way to take my <coughs> master's brother's daughter, <laughs> cousins, unto his son. And now if you will deal kindly, has said, and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. And so here we not only have the hesed, but we also have the truth, you know, the amet, which is the fulfillment of the right hand of the Lord. Um, and then verse 52, And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard the, their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Worship, that's another part of it. And then verse 56, and he said unto them, hinder me not, because they tried to get him to stay, to hang around for a while. And, and he said, hinder me not, seeing that the Lord has prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. And so a couple things I just want to acknowledge here, and, and one is that it's all by God's providence. Every, everything, every part of it is by God's providence. Um, 
And, and so what is our part? Our part is to be as Eleazar, to be faithful and obedient to carry out the assignment, no matter what it looks like. I mean, this guy, he trusted in the word of the Lord. He trusted in the promise. And he lived out the Selah, having no idea. Uh, the only thing he knew is he was supposed to travel those 450 miles and go to Abraham's to be with his kindred. And then... Once it was done, let me go. <laughs> I got to go back. You know, I, I, and, and that's another word for us because I can't tell you how many times we've been traveling and the Spirit's there and it's powerful and, and you feel the hunger and the need of the people. And, and you just want to pour, you know, you just want to continuously pour, but you know that point when it's over. You know that point when it's time to come back. Because this is, this is where we're planted. And so um, we have to remember that too. Because it's, you know, it's pretty easy to hang around and, you know, dwell in the anointing. But these are just things that we need to remember as he sends us out. Amen? So that is the first issuance of this word. Anybody have any comments before I move on? Page four of eight. I, I had 20 pages, guys. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, yesterday I just sat there and I just started paring it down. And I was, you know, it's, it's you have so many good pages. And there is a whole chapter in the Seal book about this, which I did read through yesterday, of course. Um, you always want to do that because uh, you always want to be um, in line with what God has shown us in the past. So this next passage is, is out of the book of Isaiah. And, and this has always been one of my favorite passages. But when we talk about Selah, when we talk about the Salah, the breakthrough, the fulfillment of that promise, um, you know, God expresses his word, his promise, his purposes through his word. We know that. It is, it is, his word is everything. His, his word will never prove empty. It will always prosper into fulfillment, period. That is the ultimate promise for us. So we stay in the word, and we stay hearing the word, we stay in the prophetic word, we stay there. So Isaiah 58, verses 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as, I, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and your, my thoughts than your thoughts. Praise God for that. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish all that I please, and it shall prosper, it shall salah in the thing whereunto I sent it. I love this. I, I, I love, you know, this is, this is really true prosperity. It's you know, standing in partnership in the fulfillment of God's word and his plan through our lives as we hear him, as we obey him in his word, in his promise, is, the, is true prosperity. That is the true prosperity message, right? And, and, and you think of, I, I love like just the theme of water here again because it, the foundation of all of it is just our relationship with him and that commune and that fellowship that we have with him. 
but you think about how the rain, the moisture comes from heaven. It waters the earth. We see it fall. We rejoice in it, right? But then it goes into the ground and we don't see it anymore. The ground may be wet, but we don't really see what's happening, what's being cultivated under the ground. That's where the sila, that's where the tension is happening because it's watering the seed to bring forth the, seal, the, the salah, the breakthrough, the fulfillment of that. And God, this is just so poetic. I love Isaiah. It's just so prophetic. But that's how his word comes forth. That's how the breakthrough comes. You know, so often we're not seeing what's going on underneath, even inside of us. We're not seeing that. But <laughs> he's watering that seed. And, and the earth is thirsty, right? I mean, we saw that this summer when it was 1,000 degrees outside, <laughs> right? The, the, you know, and, and the rain from heaven satisfies the earth so that the seed can bring forth the fruit. And, and it's all based on just relationship and commune. And um, that's right, exactly. No, that's exactly right. And there's such power in our waiting. And, and you know, I, this is, this is no, no, nothing new. This is just our reality, our spiritual reality. And um, I love it. So let's look at the first psalm, if we might. Oh, my ear just stopped up. <laughs> Of course, the, we know this psalm was penned by David, and it really shows him as a man of Salah. He's also a man of Selah. We see that throughout the psalms. But he was just in this continual pursuit of, of not only uh, relationship and fellowship with the Father, but also in warfare. And that was just his life. You know, we think about David and the way that he walked. Um, knowing that God had prepared him a table in the presence of his enemies. And that's the same for us. And yet he understood the principle of Selah even in the midst of that. That is a Selah um, to which God brings promise. So let's look at this very first psalm. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but stands in the way of sinners. Oh, I said that all wrong. <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> um, Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, but nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And so here again, we have water. <laughs> and just that representative fellowship that we have with the Lord, which is foundation for all things. David uses this in this first psalm. And, you know, we already said this, but even in the midst of drought, a hearty tree is going to drink from that river of life. And that tree is going to bring forth fruit in the timing, in the season of fruitfulness, of production in God's perfect timing. And it's the same with us. It's not going to wither in the midst of cha challenge. I mean, I, I, I watched in my yard, in my garden last summer when it was so hot and so dry. 
I prayed that my trees and everything did not die. <laughs> but there's a way, and, and it's beautiful, and it's very poetic for us, but it also speaks of our life, our existence, our dependence on really the streams of the mercy of God. And for us to stay in that place um, in His plan, in His way, and know that we will drink and we will be, you know, satisfied and we will be, we will prosper in all that He has for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now we're going to look at a couple of fellas, fellows in the Bible. We're going to start with Joseph. Um, we're not going to stay too long here, but you know, you really can't talk about Salah or prosperity without talking about Joseph or the Selah, because we know his whole life was like a Selah. He was very prosperous. He, the Lord's favor was upon him from his childhood. He was his father's favorite. He had the coat of many colors, but at the same time, his life was a life of misfortune, of injustice, of you name it, it happened to him. But I mean, Joseph even dreamed pros prosperously. You know, when he had his dreams, he was prosperous in his dreams. And uh, it was just a gift that God had given to him. So let's read Genesis 39, beginning with verse 1. Joseph was also a servant. I mean, goodness. In the midst of prison, in the midst of all kinds of calamity. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt because we know his, ki his kids, his brothers had sold him. Um, so he was brought to Egypt um, to Potiphar into the hands of um, Potiphar. And the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of the master of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he put his hand put to his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And so here Joseph is put in this position. He's a servant, but he's still prospering because he's serving. And he's in the plan of the Lord. We know that. But then the Lord decided to test him through Potiphar's wife. And he proved faithful in that, yet he ended up in prison. Um, and then he became prosperous in prison. <laughs> but I want to read something to you out of My Utmost for His Highest, which I read this week in my daily devotion. Because, you know, we all experience trials. I don't think any of us have been to prison yet. And uh, I don't think I would survive. But um, we all experience trials in the relative and they're difficult and they're selahs before the Lord and we trust the fact that we're in his plan even in the midst of them. But this is what I read in my devotion a couple of days ago, which was very timely. It said, we need, we need to understand the difference between God's perfect will and his permissive will. 
His permissive will, which he uses to accomplish his divine purpose for our lives. His perfect will is unchangeable. It is his permissive will, the things that we must endure and overcome, that he allows that we wrestle before him. It is our reaction to these things allowed by his permissive will that brings us to see his perfect will at work in our lives. Romans 8:28 all things work together for good to them that love him according to his plan. His permissive will is the testing he uses to reveal his true sons and daughters. And I just thought that was beautiful. He was talking about Jacob wrestling and and I've thought about that a lot because I know I've wrestled with the Lord before and I probably have a limp. But I'm I'm thankful for my limp because I've learned through my limp. But um I don't want to wrestle. It, the th- you know, I want to wrestle um, before the Lord, with the Lord. I don't want to wrestle the Lord. Because <laughs> I promise you, he's going to win. So um, I hope this broken ankle is not a limp. <laughs> anyway. No, I don't think so. But maybe I should pray about that. Okay, Genesis 39, verses 21 through 23. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him mercy, has said. So Joseph was there in that place of mercy and gave him favor, which is grace, in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that, that which he did, the Lord made him prosper so clearly Joseph had just incredible favor on his life from the Lord um, but he also had to walk through his life really demonstrated the Selah you know the promise of the Lord the tension in the midst of it you stay faithful but one of the things that we learn from Joseph is he never gave up on God in the midst of it and that's what I say to us we can never give up on God in that Selah we have to be faithful to serve in the midst of it even when we want to say ouch No, he didn't. It would have been very confusing to have that dream. And I, I know, we don't know what God was saying to Joseph through those years. Did he encourage him in the dream that it was still coming to pass? Or was that just something that, that Joseph had to carry? Or did Joseph say, well, I guess that's just not going to happen. I mean, how am I going to fulfill this dream when I'm in this prison? I mean, how many times have we been in a predicament when we think, well, there's no way this can happen under these circumstances? You know what I mean? So, yeah. but, but two, he didn't know what the fulfillment of the dream was going to look like. I mean, he didn't know what it meant. He it's the same it for us. Over Egypt. Yeah, I know, right? So I just, I mean, the whole story of Joseph, it just encapsulates everything that we have ever known in our own walk. It really does. It's amazing. And we'll continue to do so. Right. Yeah. None of us have had it as bad as Joseph. I mean, I know we said that about Jesus, but none of us, like you said, have been put in prison. None of our brothers have thrown us in a pit and wished we were dead. <coughs> and we're leaving us for dead. I mean, you know, it's just kind of a... It's interesting, too, because you think about Joseph, and we were talking about this on radio. We were talking about the clothing, you know, the cloth, the clothing, the garments, and I think about Joseph when I was reading through it yesterday that those two instances dealt with his garment. You know, the first one was... His brothers took his robe and they put 
the, the blood of the goat. So they could show the dad, look, a goat must have, a goat would have eaten him? Something must have, a wild animal must have eaten him. And that was his code. And then he goes into Potiphar's house and he's governor over that. And then the wife, it's, it's the thing about the garment too. She takes the garment in there. And I think there has to be something prophetic in that. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I guess goats will. Yeah, but I, yeah, I've never known a goat to eat a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing too about Joseph, and this is something we need to remember, is that when we're faithful in the sila, it will mark our life with blessing and favor before the Lord. And that, to me, I mean, I just, just recognizing that as we go forth, just it does something in me, because. We want, our mark, we want our life to be marked, right? We want, when we go out, when God sends us out, we want people to see that mark of God's blessing, his presence, his, his favor upon our lives. And um, that is cultivated in the midst of the tension, in the midst of what we continue to have to walk through in the midst of our trials. Well, the thing so. that's important to me is not that I look prosperous, it's that I know it's his plan that's being fulfilled. That's all I really need to know. It doesn't matter. But that's what, prosperity. It is, but it doesn't matter what it looks like to other people. No, but it, people in the spirit are going to see that. Right. Yeah. But the other thing is that he was never without the favor of the Lord. So, you know, these 25, six years, and we haven't, you know, we're not out there with million-dollar stadiums and 400,000 people. I mean, we don't look like we're the, those people that are prosperous in the church, right? Mm-hmm. We just walk this very solitary, hidden life. But grace has just been, the favor of the Lord has been on us the whole time, even though we only know that because of relationship. It doesn't necessarily look like that outwardly is all I'm really saying. I know that other saints get it. I think people see it because I think people see and they, they want what's on you. I really do. And not everybody's going to see it. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, there are there are those yeah. who will, but it's not the church that really does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not I mean, yeah. I mean, we can, <laughs> we can go in and rags. It doesn't matter if his presence is clothing us. That's all that matters. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Okay, let's look quickly at Joshua. Um, I have to pick and choose here, guys, because eight pages. Um, okay, we'll look at Joshua. The promise, you know, Moses had died. Joshua was puts in position. Um, he, it's spoken over him, the promise of God, that every place the sole of your feet shall tread, that I've given you. That's a pretty strong promise. But nonetheless, Joshua had to lead these people into warfare, into take the land, into... <laughs> a sila of warfare that was necessary for them to have dominion over the promise that God has given us. And that's just a spiritual principle for us. So Joshua 1, beginning with verse 9. There shall not be any man able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Another promise, I will not fail you or forsake you. That's a promise to us too. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance of the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, 
that thou mayest observe to do according to the law which Moses thy servant commanded you, and turn not from the right or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go, or break through wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Thou shalt meditate on it day and night, and thou, shalt, thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, Salah, and then thou shalt have good success, Sakal. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whither, whither thou go. So a couple of things I just want to point out here. First of all, the strong and courageous, we've taught on that so many times. It's a take hold of, we're going to take hold, we're going to fasten upon God's plan. We're going to be courageous. This is a moss. This means to be steadfastly minded, to be solid, alert, physically and mentally. And these things are absolute necessities for us in the midst of the warfare that we face. Okay? His courage and his strength were made to depend on his firm and inflexible adherence to God's law, though. So the law, which to me, the eternal nature of God's scriptures, that is our foundation. We cannot turn from the right or the left of that. We have to do according to his word, period. Okay? And for Joshua, I mean, that required great strength because... Obeying God's worth faithfully, I mean, he's, he is like doing warfare with, um, with slaves. <laughs> you know, it's not like he has this elite military army, right? I mean, I, we, we don't even know. It's hard to even conceive of what warfare looked like for them. But nonetheless, it's what it was. And so um, I just know that it was intense, and it required just strenuous military steadfastness, you know, steadfastness mindedness wait is that right steadfast yes <laughs> and and Joshua carried that but the thing that I really want to drive home is this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth talk about it meditate on it day and night think about it and do everything within it obey it its commands fully and act by it and, and this is just so important for us. We have got to be in the Word. We have to um, meditate. We have to not allow that to depart from our mouth. We need to talk about it to our children at our tables. You know, we had a, a couple come over this past week for dinner. They were they're friends of Olivia's young couple. They're in ministry. His name is Jehoshaphat, and his wife is Michelle. And um, we had connected at some gathering, and... Anyway, so they come into our home. He's Hispanic. His father's from Cuba. She is full-blooded Brazilian from Rio. And, and, and we welcomed him into our home. We sat at our table. We fed them a meal. We talked about the Lord the whole time. And it was, you know, just being in that setting to be able to share the heart of the Lord with, with young people that are pursuing him. And th it's just, it's so important. And so... This is just something that we, we have to be steadfast with in the midst of um, the place where we are. We have to be doers of the word, not just hearers. I gave you James 1, through 25, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way, straight, straightway forgetting what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, the man shall be blessed in his deed. And I just think that's really beautiful. 
And so this is the way to make ourselves or for the Lord to be prosperous through us in the midst of our warfare. Amen. Amen. Now, I I didn't include these scriptures in your outline because I pared down, but I do want to acknowledge the fact that the Salah, it speaks of um, with, 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 with Saul and with David, with Samson, how the, the spirit of the Lord was Salah upon them. And, and that happened in several instances. Um, with Saul, it was in the, 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 the company of the prophets where he was to prophesy. Don't have time to go into that, but it was really important for his kingship that his heart was turned, his heart was changed into another man. And he was able to step into that gift of prophecy to die to himself so that he could fulfill the kingship that God had called him to. And then when David was anointed by Samuel, the, the spirit of the Lord was salad upon him, um, really for, I guess, the exploits that he was to do in his kingship. And then with Samson, when he was doing exploits, same thing, the spirit came upon them. And so I really just want to speak forth prophetically that that spirit of the Lord would, would salah upon our leader, upon our intercession, upon the teaching, upon everything that we put our hand to do, that that spirit would rest upon that as we go forward into the day ahead. Amen? Amen. Um, Solomon, we're not going to go there, but I do want to just say this. You know, Solomon, I think Solomon's job was to build the temple. I mean, he was king, he was the beloved son, but he was to build the, the temple to welcome the presence of the Lord, to host that presence. And, and that was done through um, that, that spirit of Salah, okay? Unfortunately, then he decided to pursue the women instead of, and their yes. And so that was his demise. I do want to look at a couple of warfare strategies. Oh, there's so much good stuff here. Um, uh, let's look at Abijah. Abijah, Second Chronicles 13, beginning with verse 4. Okay. And Abijah stood up on Mount, this is just a good story, Zemariam, which is the Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me. Abijah was a king. Thou Jeroboam and all of Israel, ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him, to his sons, by a covenant of salt? I believe he was Jeroboam's son, maybe. Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nepat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, is risen up. Oh, no, he was not. He was... um, I'm so sorry, guys. I should have... Rehoboam's son. Okay, so we're going to start back with verse 6. Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, is risen up and has rebelled against the Lord. And there are gathered unto him vain men, children of Belial, who have strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and tenderhearted and could not withstand them. And now you think to withstand the kingdom of Yahweh in the hands of the sons of David... And ye be a great multitude, and there are with you golden calves, which Jeroboam made you for gods. Have, yet, have you not yet cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron, and the Levites, and made you priests after the manner of the nations of other lands? 
This so much describes the land that we live in, doesn't it? So that whatsoever cometh to consecrate himself with a young bullock and seven rams, the same may be a priest of them that are no gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and this is our declaration, and we have not forsaken him, and the priests which minister unto Yahweh are the sons of Aaron and the Levites that wait upon their business. And they burn unto the Lord every morning and every night, burn sacrifices and sweet incense. The showbread also they set in order upon a pure table and the candlestick of the Lord of the lamps thereof to burn every evening for we keep the charge of Yahweh our God that ye have forsaken him and behold God himself is with us our captain and his priests with sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you O children of Israel fight ye not against the Lord God of your fathers for you will not prosper and that is my declaration here to just every demonic structure, every ruler, everything that is ruling in this land, that you will not prosper. But Jeroboam caused an ambushment to come about behind them so that they were before Judah, and the ambushment was behind them. So in the midst of all this chaos, the enemy came and, and caused an ambushment to come. And when Judah looked back, behold, the battle was before and behind. They were surrounded, and they cried unto the Lord, and the priests sounded the trumpets. And the men of Judah gave a shout, and as the men of, Ju men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam and all of Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hand. And Abijah and his people slew them with a great slaughter, so there fell down slain of Israel 500,000 chosen men. Thus the children of Israel were brought under at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied upon the Lord God of their fathers. And I, you know, I, that's the God that we serve. No matter what it looks like, no matter what we face, no matter how prevailing the enemy may seem to be to us, we declare that God himself is our captain. God himself is with us. And the priests are in, in position, and they will not prosper. They will not break through upon us. Amen? Yep. Amen. And then we have Jehoshaphat, which is also just a wonderful story of um, uh, just warfare story. Um, he, was, he was really subject to just a lot of spiritual chaos in the realm and he found himself in a not great place um, in his rulership as as a warrior king because the enemy force was ominous and it really was threatening to overcome him and all of the people of God second chronicles 20 beginning with verse 1 and it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea to the side of Syria. And behold, they be in this place which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of Yahweh before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou not thou God of heaven? 
and rulest not over the kingdoms of the heathen. And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. That's the God we serve. Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of the land before thy people Israel, gave the seed of Abraham thy friend forever, and they dwell therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil comes upon us, as a sword, judgment, and pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and we cry unto thee in our afflictions, and then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast out thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do and you know we are in a battle I mean we are absolutely in a spiritual battle on behalf of God's people and this land and sometimes it feels that way you know we don't know what to do but what does he say but our eyes are upon me we cannot look at that we have to keep our eyes fixed on him we have to we have to honor the sanctuary we have to honor like like he did here Honor the presence of the Lord in the sanctuary and um, be faithful to that. And then verse 13, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children. Then Abon Jehazahel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Matinah, him. And Levite of the sons of Asaph came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus said the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. It's interesting that it's Elohim here. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook, before the wilderness of Jeruel. And ye shall, ye shall not need to fight in the battle. Set yourselves... Stand ye still and see the salvation, the Yeshua of the Lord, with you, O Judah, Jerusalem. Fear not and be, or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Ju Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korhites stood up to praise to halal the Lord, the God of Israel, with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe Ammon in the Lord your God, and ye shall be established. Believe his prophets, and ye shall prosper. You shall salah. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed the singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures from forever. And when they began to sing and to, to, to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. <laughs> I, I feel like I just read half the Bible. But 
you know, this is strategy for us. <laughs> we set ourselves to seek Yahweh and his plan. We fast. We ask for help from his sanctuary. We remember his promise. We honor his sanctuary, that place of prayer and that place of help. We acknowledge his power and our absolute dependence on him. Knowing that the battle is his, but what we have to do is stand and be positioned. We have to be in, in our positioning and fix our eyes on him, not fear. Don't look at the enemy, but just trust him and, 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 and trust the word of the prophet. And, you know, I love, I love the fact that they put the singers and the players in the front because if for one so minute, huh? So they can die first. No, so they could sing prophetically. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> we'll be cellmates, Stacy, for sure. <laughs> no, so they could prophesy. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's part of the challenge of church, the general church is today, because, you know, standing, you know, standing, therefore, um, you know, standing is, is not, I mean, it's, it's easy to look at standing as not doing anything, because you're just standing, right? Mm -hmm. Standing is sometimes the hardest thing, because you feel like you have to be doing something. And, um, you know, learning how to stand in the place the Lord is pointing you and, and to just pray without doing a bunch of stuff other than standing and praying. It's so much about our position. It is so much about that. Yeah, we have to be positioned. I mean, our it's so important. Yeah. I, was, um, I was listening to a podcast this week, and it's, this is a little off, off topic, but not really. Um, and it was about investing because I listed all that kind of stuff. And um, the, 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 the guy that was doing the podcast, he said, you know, when we grew up, um, we were always told, don't just stand there, do something. How many of you have heard that? Don't just stand there. How many have said do that? Something. <laughs> and he was talking about investing, and he said, you know, Warren Buffett says, you need to flip that and say to yourself, don't do anything, just stand there. And, and, and what he's saying is the hardest thing to do is to do nothing. But oftentimes, <coughs> that's the right thing to do. And and so when, to wait. Yes, the waiting is the hardest part. And it's the same way in the spirit is standing. It's not that we're doing nothing. But to the outside world, it looks like we're doing nothing. That's the hardest thing sometimes. Because mm -hmm. we're conditioned by the world to feel like we need to be doing something. Amen. Okay, we're going to close um, with Isaiah because I, I can't leave this undone. <clears throat> you know, Isaiah, Isaiah served under three kings, three different kings, and um, he really ministered the Salah power of God through his word, through his prophecies. And, you know, the enemy was always trying to come against that word same with us. I mean, the enemy comes to try to hinder to block the purpose of the Lord in us through God's promises word. But we need to remember that that evil plan of the enemy is not capable of breaking through 
against the righteousness of the saints. And we have Isaiah 54:17. This was Isaiah. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And I speak that over every one of us. Every tongue that tries to rise up against you in judgment, it will, I'm sorry, rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is our heritage of the servants of Yahweh, and the, their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. And so I just want to remind you of that. And then lastly, we're going to talk about Jesus, because he really is our greatest example. And this is also in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, beginning with verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I always struggle with this. He hath, he, he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. You know, Jesus, he put himself in our stead. He took our sin, made himself subject to death, which really is the wages of sin according to God's divine plan and what God has designed in that measure of redemption he shall possess absolutely without a question and Jesus led captivity captive and when he did he received gifts unto men that he might give us gifts and so when we think about his suffering we need to remember our transgressions and be thankful I mean how do you even express that but one of the things I want to read out of um, pastor's book in regards to this that it says that the Lord shall prosper in his hand because you know God God desires no pleasure in the suffering of us of his children he just doesn't he he doesn't and he walks with us through it and he's in our pain he's in the midst of it as we endure the hardships and on behalf of the Selah of his righteousness because we're partners with him in that and that pleasure of the Lord is our reward and our inheritance and it's funny because a couple of months ago we were in the midst of prayer and I just kept feeling the pleasure of the Lord and that's upon us because we are partnering in the Selah with him but what I wanted to quote out of his book is about what does it mean to Salah in his hand and it says, the hand of God is always creating something from nothing, rectifying hopeless situations to their original intent of blessing and restoring. Whatever has gone off course in some way. To be in the hand of God is one thing, for we are continually being fashioned and formed by his goodness. To be a source of pleasure in the Salah of the hand of God is quite another. When we are a Salah pleasure in the Almighty hand, we are saying that we are in his plan for the complete fulfillment of what he desires. His plans are so far beyond ours, and they are wonderful in ways past our capacity of understanding. Whenever things seem empty, dry, or hopeless, these are indelible signs which tell us that we are in the hand of God. We must ever yearn to be his closest friend, willing to commit ourselves to whatever he requires. Wherever his hand desires to do, our heart must regularly volunteer to serve him in the midst of it, because that's what Jesus did and still does for us in eternity. And so that sila is the way of divine restoration. And we need to, as the, the players and the singers, have a song in our heart always. Amen? Amen. So that's it. Anybody have any comments before we conclude?
very, very good.